This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the national championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, I'm pleased to be joined on this edition of Necessary Roughness by one of my former teammates and longtime friend. Uh, that's Ross Tucker. You can find him on the Ross Tucker podcast. And we're going to talk a lot about what he's going on in here in just a few minutes. But, Ross, I know that this is this is, there's only three games left. There's an AFC championship, an NFC championship, and the Super Bowl. Where are you, How surprised are you that the Lions are in the NFC championship? Um. Well, I guess it depends on when you would have asked me that. Uh, I think if you would have asked me that during the season, during the meat of the season, the middle, I would have said pretty surprised. I, I thought that San Francisco, Dallas, and Philadelphia were clearly the three best teams. And what's nuts about that, John, is that there was like six different plays in the Packers-Niners game where the Packers should have won the game. I, I mean, the yeah. Packers dominated that game – I thought from start to finish, at some point, I think they were in the red zone six times and the Niners zero or something like that, five to zero. So it's just nuts to think about the fact that the the Niners were one play away from the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers having a grand total of zero playoff wins, which is just remarkable because I think everybody, you know, I do power rankings every week on the Ross Tucker football podcast. I had all three of those teams in my top five all season until the Eagles, you know, really had their collapse late in the year. Still thought the Cowboys had a chance to make a heck of a run. And I was quite frankly, looking forward to that Detroit Dallas rematch in the divisional round. Didn't happen because the Cowboys couldn't get it done against that up and coming Packers team. So I am, I'm not shocked, but I am surprised. I, I did think that the lions were a little bit below those other three. And I also thought John, Throughout history, it seems like in the postseason, you kind of have to walk before you run, right? And so we know the Niners' track record in the playoffs in recent years. We know the Cowboys have been winning the game, and we thought this is one of their better teams. The Eagles obviously went to the Super Bowl last year. So I thought the Lions had a great opportunity to win a playoff game, but I don't know that I saw them getting past the divisional round. But honest, in, in fairness, I also didn't think they'd be hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. Well, so, I mean, you, you talk about the matchups, and, and, and in terms of you got to walk before you run, I mean, they hit the ground running with the Rams. And then, uh, you know, maybe they got away with one, uh, you know, not the not the toughest matchup with the Bucs, but 
I mean, Baker Mayfield was playing good. They were a hot team. And now all of a sudden you're with San Francisco. And like you, I don't know that I expected them to be here. We're obviously in here in Detroit. Nothing could be finer or sweeter or better than, than, you know, the Lions being in the NFC Championship game. They were just moments away from a minute and what, two seconds away from hosting their third playoff game. Uh, But when it comes down to it, 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 I mean, this matchup is going to be unique. And and I want to get into the matchup just a little bit more so that our listeners understand what's at stake for the Lions, what the possibilities are for the Lions. Now, everybody knows they're 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl, but to get there, it's not going to be easy. There's a reason why everybody struggles and, and fights for that number one seed, and that is it's it's two games and you're in the Super Bowl, but it's also two home games guaranteed if you can continue to win. What's the challenge for the Lions? Just simply, before we talk about the Niners, going on the road for the NFC Championship game. Well, that's one thing I'm really curious about because I, I, I actually tweeted, John, you'll appreciate this. Maybe you saw it. Right after the Lions won on Sunday, I tweeted, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, by the way. I said, Santa Clara has no idea what's coming. <laughs> and, and people were replying to me about, uh, oh, yeah, because they beat the Bucs or uh, wait till they have to play the Niners. Like, I wanted to say to them, like, I'm not talking about the game. No. <laughs> I'm no. not talking about the players inside the white lines. I'm talking about the unbelievable job that Lions fans have done this year traveling and being at these away games. It's been unbelievable. And I know a lot of people probably spent their money to make sure they got back to Detroit these last couple weekends because they wanted to enjoy a home playoff game in Detroit. But I still have to imagine, maybe you have the data, maybe you know more than I do, John. I have to imagine there's a lot of people from Detroit, in Detroit. If you've got some dough, how do you not go? I mean, I know it's expensive out there, but you've been waiting your whole life for this. It's literally a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I'm very curious to see just how much Honolulu Blue will be out there in Santa Clara. I wouldn't say that the Niners have some huge home field advantage. It's a beautiful facility, Levi Stadium. Um, I still remember they have ice cream and beer in the press box after the game. So while I was waiting for the post game to finish, when I was there a few years ago for the NFC Championship game, I had three cups of ice cream and four beers before my red eye flight back, it was yeah. amazing. Uh, and I was like, man, I, I could do the I could call the Niners games every week. So I, I don't think that the I don't think that the road team factor is gonna be that significant if the Lions fans travel as much as I'm expecting them to travel. You wonder about the elements though. I, I've heard so many stats this year, John, where I maybe somebody said that the Lions have played like one one outdoor game in their last 12 games or something, and 14 of them have been indoors this year. Certainly anecdotally, you feel like you see them inside a lot, and they play really well inside, and the last time they were outside was in Chicago, and it didn't go well. But that was also Chicago in December, whereas Santa Clara is supposed to be really nice out on yeah. Sunday. So I don't know that the weather would be a factor. 
Well, it's more Jared Goff, uh, you know, whether he's in a dome, he's at home, or he's outside. And, yeah, you, you go back to, I think it was October, they played in Baltimore. And, obviously, that didn't go well. Um, the Chicago game, um, that was a cold one. That was in, uh, in, in December in Chicago. It didn't go well. But, as you mentioned, I mean, it's going to be 65 degrees at kickoff. Jared Goff grew up out there. He played college football out there. He played the first, what, four or five years of his career out there. Um, in LA. So he's very comfortable with the environment. I don't see it. If it was in, you know, at Lambeau field or if it was in Buffalo, it was one of those environments. Yeah. That becomes a bigger factor, but I don't think being in, you know, in Levi stadium in Santa Clara is going to be that big of a deal. Now let's talk about the matchup because I mentioned Jared Goff. He's going to have to play well. And he has played well pretty much since that trip to Chicago you play against Denver. They came in as a hot team, as a def- as a team that was built on defense, and he's handled all of those challenges extremely well. But this San Francisco defense is a completely different animal. How does how does the Lions' offense match up with with the San Francisco defense? I think better than people expect. You know, I think there's a perception of the Niners defense, which is not really the reality. Look, they have a good defense, but they're not the Cleveland defense this year or the Ravens defense this year, or quite frankly, even the Chiefs defense this year. When you look at them statistically, you know, I was talking about this recently, John, with uh, my buddy Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Do you know, on the Ross Tucker podcast, do you know that the Niners are bottom third in the league on third down defense? bottom third which is surprising and they're really not getting as much of a rush from their four-man rush as you would expect in fact you know there was a lot made at the trade deadline when they got chase young to be opposite nick bosa he hasn't done very much i mean since he's gotten there chase young the former number two overall pick the former ohio state buckeye He has not been able to do very much there. They were expecting him to give them a legit edge rusher opposite Bosa who would win against one-on-ones. Has not happened nearly as much as they were hoping. The other thing is, and we saw this against the Packers, you can run on this Niners team a little bit. And I'd like to see the Lions try to do that. I am a huge fan of their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, You know, the amount of under center, first down play action, I love that. I mean, honestly, John, and you and I are biased, and I know it, and it probably goes back to my rookie year, your third year, when we had Marty Schottenheimer in Washington and Stephen Davis led the NFC in rushing. But when you run a play action pass on first down, especially if you're having any kind of success running the ball, as an old lineman, To be able to jump that guy and sell run, and he's playing run for the first second and a half, and let's be honest, D linemen are not the brightest bulbs, okay? So by the time they realize it's a pass and they try to switch to their transition rush, that takes a while. I mean, even watching that game against the Bucs, the amount of time that Jared Goff had on those play action passes. And I know that the announcers are always like, oh, this Lions offensive line, this Lions offensive line. And they're good. They are good. And I like those guys. But even after, you know, not having Jonah Jackson and, and Oshika's out there, 
it's a lot of it is because of the first down play action and what that does for an offensive lineman. It makes it so that even guys like me could pass block. I was terrible in obvious passing situations, right? That's why I only lasted seven years. That's why I wasn't a starter like you most of the time. But if, if it was play action pass, I was fine. Just just keep me out of third and long, and I think that's what the Lions do quite a bit. Well, when you have that threat, and and I mean every offensive lineman, even those that are really good at pass blocking, you would much rather be on the attack than backing up every single time. And I mean that's that's a nightmare. So if you could change things up on first down, and I and I, I'm with you in regards to Ben Johnson and his use of of play action pass that's always got to be set up by being able to be aggressive in the run game and when you've got Montgomery and you've got Gibbs and you've got different ways to attack on the ground and whether it's between the tackles or it's outside the tackles because you've got that speed now all of a sudden as an offensive lineman if you can come off the ball on first down whether it's a run or it's a play action you treat them both the same and hit somebody right under the chin now it changes everything for second down because hopefully You've either had a chunk play or you've you know hit a tight end in the flat or a running back coming out of the backfield and it's second and short. Now again, you you don't have to change anything. You could be as aggressive if, as you want and second and short. You and I both know even if you're going to drop back into a five or even a seven step drop, defensive linemen aren't sold on the fact that that's going to happen. They've got to set up for the run. So it's just that little split second of indecision on that pass rusher to think, are they going to run it on second short? That's the time where you want to take that deep shot. It gives you an advantage in, in regards to blocking a guy like Nick Bosa or everybody else that they have up front. Now, here's where I want to get to with this because a lot's been made of Fred Warner and, and his abilities, and he's great. He's a pro. He's an all-pro type of guy. How do you see them using Because they don't blitz a lot, and that's kind of interesting to me when you mention, hey, they're trying to find ways to, to generate pass rush. They go out and they get a Chase Young opposite Nick Bosa, and it doesn't really boost their pass rush. You've got to be able to pressure the quarterback, and Jared Goff is a completely different quarterback, as most quarterbacks are under pressure. But if you can't generate it, why do they not use Fred Warner or those linebackers more in pursuit of the quarterback? You know, they want to play a lot of zone coverage, and they love those guys as underneath middle-of-the-field defenders. You know, they've had a lot of success. Fred Warner is probably the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, and then the other linebacker, Dre Greenlaw, he's the one that had two picks yeah. against Jordan Love and the Packers last Saturday night. That's also pretty intriguing to me, John, is – how much will the linebackers bite on the Lions play action? And will they be able to get back and get depth underneath Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Laporta and some of those middle-of-the-field routes that the Lions love to run and those throws that Goff makes so well? Those are dangerous when you go against the Niners. They are very, very good. I mean, those guys are legit coverage linebackers who can pick passes off I think at times now, you know, golf, especially when you're in regular personnel and base defense, he's been able to tear up some of these other teams' linebackers who aren't as good in their zone drops and in coverage. This is a little bit of a different animal. Golf's going to have to be careful with trying to throw the ball in those tight windows, middle of the field that he loves so much, going against Warner and Greenlaw. 
Maybe they'll blitz a little bit more, but I don't know. They really like having those guys in the middle of the field. And I think the Niners still aren't totally sold on their secondary. They've had some issues. They don't want to give up the big, deep plays. They like to play a lot of, uh, you know, what they call two-shell coverage, having a couple deep safeties. So, I mean, I agree with you in terms of Jared Goff. This is, he loves, that's his bread and butter uh, right across the middle. Uh, Chicago took that away. What did they learn from that game plan? Because Jared Goff is now going to have to find guys outside the numbers. They're, they're, they're throws he can make, but they're not his favorite uh, in his arsenal. So let's flip to the other side of the ball because we both got to get rolling here pretty soon. Um, when you look at this San Francisco offense, and I know, hey, you've got Aiden Hutchinson. You've got linebackers that are playing a little bit better for the Lions, but you've got CMC in the backfield. You've got Kittle at tight end. You've got Ayuk. Um, you know, and, and you and I both know Debo Samuel is going to play in this game. Um, it really comes down to the performance of Brock Purdy. Can he step up in his second year in the, his second NFC championship game? I know he got hurt last time, but is he good enough to be able to win this game as just a quarterback? Well, I don't think he can do it on his own. I will say this though. I, I give him a lot of credit, you know, I think if he were a first-round pick, people would talk about him a lot differently than yeah. they do. He didn't play great against the Packers. But you know what he did do? He played his best at the end when it mattered the most, and they won. It's pretty good to have three wins as a, as a quarterback in the playoffs, and people are talking about the stuff that you don't do. I mean, yeah. that's a pretty high bar. I mean, we just mentioned Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts and – what some of these guys were not able to do, you know, Matthew Stafford couldn't get a playoff win. He's able to get these playoff wins. You mentioned about Debo Samuel. I think the real question will be how much does he play and how effective can he be? I had no idea about this, John, until Tuesday on Even Money, my betting podcast. Do you know that Debo Samuel is the single most valuable player against the spread non-quarterback in the NFL. And when when my co-host said that, he's a professional, he sets the sets the lines and stuff. I said, what are you talking about? Debo Samuel? They already have Ayuk and Kittle and and McCaffrey. Look it up. The Niners, when they have Debo Samuel, they average two yards a play more than when they don't have them. Two yards a play. So according to the people that set the lines, that's worth one and a half to two points. So Debo Samuel is worth one and a half to two points on the spread because he's a really good blocker in the run game. He's interchangeable at times, basically with McCaffrey. They can put him in the backfield, and they get so much mileage out of that tunnel screen and throwing him the ball you know, right off the snap. It's almost like an extension of the running game. If he's full throttle Debo, they are a better and different team. And let's be honest, like that, that's one of these things where the Lions need to lay a lick on him early in the game. This is professional football. He's got a bad shoulder. You need to make sure he feels that, right? Like you need to hit him hard. I mean, you got to hit him hard anyway, but especially if you know he's banged up and he's, he's hurting out there. The other thing is the right side of the Niners offensive line in particular they have not been good in obvious passing downs. It goes back to the conversation we were just having about the Lions, and you and I could talk about the 2002 Washington team with Steve Spurrier a million times. But if you're in obvious passing downs all the time, 
I don't care if you're John Jansen and Chris Samuels, you're not going to be able to hold up to that yeah. all the time. And so last week, they were in a bunch of third and longs, and those guys, especially on the right side, they got torn up. So the key in my mind, John, is really probably first down defense for the Lions. You know, the more second and longs, third, especially third and long, if you get them in third and five or more, even though the Lions corners have struggled, and I'm sure that's who they'll draft in free agency to try to improve that position, they still are not in a good spot, meaning the Niners' offense. Purdy's not comfortable in obvious passing situations out of the gun, and I think Aiden Hutchinson and those guys will be able to get to him if they can get them in a third and medium, third and long. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. I agree with you on those points, um, and I think Aiden Hutchinson, there's a lot of guys on this Lions team that are poised for a breakout. They, they've been looking for, and you started off the season against Kansas City. You set the tone early on. You had a Monday or Thursday night game against Green Bay, a Monday night game against the Vegas Raiders. They've aced every every opportunity they've had in prime time. Now this is it, it only grows, it only gets bigger, and those guys want to continue to develop who they are and what this Lions team is about. Uh, Ross, thanks for joining me. One last thing before we go. We've got about two minutes left. Valentine's Day is coming up, and I know that you've always got something. You've never steered me wrong. You've always got something. What is it this year for Valentine's Day? Yeah, well, I don't need two minutes. I, I need like two seconds to tell people to go to myfrontpagestory.com. My buddy started the company. By far the best Valentine's Day gift I've ever heard of. Nobody knows what to do, right? Like flowers or a gift card. I'm telling you, go to myfrontpagestory.com. You either fill out an email with five questions or you talk to one of their writers for 10 minutes while you're driving home from work or whatever. Tell them how great your significant other is. They write this amazing story. It has pictures of you and her, the kids, whatever. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper framed. And here's the two things, John. Very important if any of your listeners do this. Number one, as you give it to her and as she's opening it, Make sure you say, hey, babe, I want to do something special. So I had a story written about you. Like it sounds it sounds like you hired Mitch Album to like write this amazing story about your wife. And then and then make sure you tell the writer when you when you talk to him or her, make sure you say, I just never thank her enough for all the little things she does for the family. Even if you can't think of anything your wife does for you, just say that. Because I've seen the videos when they read that line, like, oh, my gosh, he notices. He knows. Yeah. It's hilarious. And they cry every time. Myfrontpagestory.com. Myfrontpagestory.com. Ross, thanks for joining me. Um, Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can find him in a lot of different places. Um, but I uh, always appreciate the insight. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Anytime, John. You know that.